you know, I was quite ill last week. And, um, and the kind of ill where you have a really heavy cold. And um, when I say heavy cold, I mean a woman's kind of cold where, you know, you still get up and go to work. You still do your jobs, you know, but technically you're ill. You know, technically you're ill, and, and I couldn't sleep for a night last week, and, um, and I just felt God, God say to me, you know, well, let's have a bit of a chat, you know, let's not waste this time, we'll, and I started to think about what I wanted to say this morning, and more importantly, what I felt God wanted to say to us this morning, so if it works really well, it's God-inspired, if it doesn't connect at all with you, it's a cold-induced hallucination, okay, so, so we'll just, either way, I'm a winner, either way, I'm a winner this morning, and um, Leon, um, dealt so well last week with the foundation of, um, of what we want to talk about in this AHA series. And if you haven't heard it and you weren't here, please, please get the podcast. It sets such a great foundational understanding of what we want that we feel God wants to say to us as a, as a community over the next few weeks. So just a little test then. If you were here last week, who can tell me what the A stands for? Awake- oh, they were much better at the half nine, mate, weren't they? Much better at the half nine. Awakening, yeah. The H is... Honesty, yeah, brutal honesty, and the A stands for action, action. Oh, we got there, we got there, mate. It just, just has to process through, doesn't it, process through. And um, so I was thinking, actually, last Sunday when I sat there, there were some things in my life that I've never had an aha moment over, never, ever, and, and probably won't ever. And that's okay, because I'm going to share with you three things now that I've never had an aha moment over. The first one is this. Who knows what these are? Quadratic equations, yeah? I was the kid in the maths class that the teacher could stand over me, do the equation with me and go, have you got it, Jane? Yes, I've got it, sir. Turn his back, walk away and go, no, I haven't got it at all. No, 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 no. Some of you are trying to work that out now, aren't you? I can just see your little brains going. The second thing I never had an aha moment was over this. Who can tell me what this is? Chemistry, yeah, what sort of Chemistry. Anybody know? Titration. What this was all about was you used to have to sit and painstakingly look at this, this, this test tube and you'd allow a little bit of liquid through and you had to write down exactly when it changed colour. I spent four hours a week for two years of my life looking at this and always getting the one on the right with the cross on and never getting the one on the left, even if I was looking at it. And as you know, in chemistry, you know, minuscule moments have mathematical you know, incredible differences with how it works. So that was years of my life wasted. And then the third one was, is this, and I still don't get these. Who knows what these are? Magic eye pictures. Apparently there's an elephant in there. Really, there's an elephant in there. And I could sit here till the Lord returns and I would never, ever see an elephant. But then I've realized that there are some things I've had in the harm moment over that other people have had to help me see. And three things I want to quickly share with you of those moments in my life are this one, learning to drive. There was a moment you think this is never all going to come together, look in the mirror, put the gear stick in, drive straight line, remember how fast you're going, and then all of a sudden it clicks, doesn't it? All of a sudden it clicks and now you can multitask, you can put your makeup on, have a drink, <laughs> change your CD, it's just, and never even think about what you're doing because your thought process has absorbed it that much. I really don't do that. I don't put makeup on in the car. I can categorically tell you that. Um, the second thing that I, somebody needs to help me with are films like these. Interstellar and The Matrix. Didn't get it, didn't get it, didn't get it. Somebody told me something, bang. I understood the whole concept of the film. 
and, and, and then had some sort, of joy in, some sort of joy from actually watching those types of movies. But the biggest aha moment in my life that somebody had to help me with was this one. And this is about when I first understood exactly what God was all about and where I suddenly got what he'd done for me, what it all meant, how it could actually change my life. And I just want to encourage you this morning. You may have been coming a few weeks, you may have been coming a long time, and the light bulb still hasn't gone on for you with what God can do for you. I just want to encourage you, hang on in there. Hang on in there on your journey, because at some point, the light will go on, and it will suddenly all make sense. It will suddenly make all, or it will all make sense. Don't quit. Don't quit too early because sometimes I need a bit of help to see. And we're going to look at a story this morning. And if you've got a Bible with you, it's in 2 Kings chapter 5, um, which mirrors a journey that most of us, if not all of us, will go on at some point in our life. And we're going to take it apart a bit and, um, and see exactly what was going on for this guy and what God wanted to do and what other people got him to see that he needed to see. And I just want you to remember to look at this story that um, we see the end from the beginning. We see the whole thing all the way through. This guy called Naaman was working with the information that he had at the time. Okay, so we're just going to look at this guy's story. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And that's really important to note there. Those four words, but he had leprosy. You see, Naaman was a captain in the Syrian army. He had loads of um, victories, loads of conquests. He was a great man in the eyes of his king. He was an honorable person. He'd seen great successes, but he was a leper. And that thing changed everything for Naaman. That didn't matter how successful he was, what he did with his life, what he had control over, he didn't have control over this. He was a leper. And there was nothing he could do about it. There was no cure. It was 100% death rate. So the next slide, Merle. So now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So we have a slave girl here. We need to remember what this would have been like. This girl would have been taken from her own country, kidnapped, taken to a foreign culture to work in a foreign household. And yet here she is saying to her master, you know, I know somebody. I know somebody. And you see, the truth is that we can, um, God can speak to us at times through people that we least expect it. And we're not looking for. And if we're really honest, people we don't want to hear from. People we don't want to hear from. And somebody said something to me once, it's always stuck with me, that somebody can say the right thing into my life at the wrong time, with the wrong words, at the, with the wrong motive even, and still be telling me the truth. And maybe this was like for this girl. She said, I know somebody. And Naaman listens to the voice of somebody who has no power except the power to make a connection. She uses the resources she's got of a man she knows and connects them with a man that needs help. And that suddenly had a little aha moment of my own, you know, that I saw myself in this girl. And isn't that really, if we're Christian, all God is asking us to do? Make the connection? To say, I know somebody. I know somebody who, you know, come to church, come and meet some people, come and see what this God thing is all about. And that's all our responsibility is. And then... It's God's responsibility to take that connection on and to make that relationship work. 
And I just want to encourage you over the Easter period and reaffirm what Leon said, really. All God is asking us to do is be a connector. All you need to do is to give that invitation to somebody and say, come and meet somebody I know. I know somebody. I know something that would really, you know, would really help you. Come and give it a go. Come and check it out. That's all our responsibility actually is. And the rest is up to them and God. So we look further in the story. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And by all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. So Naaman took all of that stuff with him. And I suddenly realized even this morning, you know, that isn't that a lot like us? That we take a load of stuff to God and it's almost like we're earning something. We're taking, making us some kind of co- uh, um, contraction with him, some kind of negotiation. When actually all God wants to do is give it. He doesn't need us to come with all of this stuff. Power, money, position. I think God isn't really interested in any of that. Because he wants to give that which in his heart is freely to give. But Naaman hadn't got that yet. So he came with all of this stuff. And if you're wondering why he came with loads of clothing. Because clothing was really, really expensive in those days. That would have been a really, really big gift to Elisha. But still, even knowing that his servant had said to him, go and see Elisha. He still went to the king. He went for where the position was. Not where the power was. He went to the wrong man. Because the king didn't have any power at all to heal Naaman. And wrong sources will not provide the right solution. But we give it a good go. And I do. Sometimes I'll go anywhere but the place I should go and to the person I should talk to. To try and get a solution for the issue I'm working on. When actually wrong sources will not provide the right solution. So the story goes on. So Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to to him saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Naaman came with his horses and chariots as a plural there. So you have to imagine this scene of this guy rocking up to this prophet's house with all of this stuff going on. There had been a big commotion, a big celebration, a big trumpet call. And Naaman comes in with all of this stuff. And then what happens? Elijah doesn't even lift his head up from his laptop and come out and speak to him. He sends out a messenger. And I was trying to think of a, of a real-life situation that that would be that I could really connect with. And it would be this. It would be you booking an appointment to see Leon and getting me. That's what it would be like. And before you think, don't think down on yourself, Jane. Just look, examine your heart a little bit. Because I know that when I've booked an appointment to see Leon, I want to see him. Because I think he's got something to add into what I want to say. He's got some wisdom. He's got some judgment. He's got some input. And so I don't want to see anybody else. I want to see him. And I think if we examine our own hearts, isn't there something like that in us as well? Because Naaman had the wrong plan. He said, I thought surely you would come out for me. At least for me you'd come. You know who I am. You know, you, know, you know what my history is. You know my standing, my position. Surely you'd pitch out for me. 
And this is really about me, isn't it? This says it all about me and how I operate. It's about what I want, the way I want it to happen, in my time and my way. And the truth is, Naaman had his feelings hurt. Naaman had his feelings hurt. And how many people have just got mad, gone home and never come back? And let's dig a little deeper. How many of us sitting here this morning have ever wanted to do that? From our meeting in church, from our life group even, we thought, I'm not going back to that. Oh, man, that really hurt me. They didn't deal with me in the way that I expected them to deal with me. Exactly like Naaman did, because it all comes from this. He had the wrong perception. He didn't like the instructions he got. He didn't like the solution he was given. He didn't like the idea he'd have to do something, that Elisha would just wave his hand and this magically all this leprosy would go away. He had to do something. And this reveals three attitudes, I think, that we struggle with. One is this. The I thought attitude. I thought it would happen like this. I thought another answer would be given. I thought it would be done another way. I thought that you would pitch up for me. I thought that you'd do this for me. Because it comes from the second attitude, which is this. I expected more. I expected more. Naaman wanted some type of great ceremony, some type of great celebration, some quite of great thing about Elisha coming out and making a big deal of who he was. The sad truth is that something greater was actually there. Just name and overlooked it. Name and overlooked it. And then we have the big one that we all crosses our minds. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. And I've sat with people and and people have spoken to me and and I've even sat with somebody that came back to me this week where I've gave them two options to do something and we sat there in silence for a minute and then they said to me, do you know what Jane, I'm not going to do either of those things. And sometimes I do think, what, what, what is the point of us sitting there having a conversation or me having a conversation with somebody when I've already decided in my head what I'm going to do? What is the point? If I've closed myself off so much that I'm just not even... I want you to agree with me. That's what we're saying. I want you to tell me, you know, agree with what I'm going to do. And then I go off angry. I go off angry. But here's the thing, in his anger, Naaman was still a leper. He still had the same condition he had at the start. Nothing had changed. He just got angry. He just got angry. And it was like the meatloaf of the Old Testament. You know that song that meatloaf does? I would do anything for healing, but I won't do that. And it's that that mentality. It's that, I will do whatever, but I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to go and do that. I'm not going to dip in that river. And the biggest tragedy of this story could have been that Naaman could have gone home almost persuaded. He could have gone home, spoken to his wife and said, you know what, I nearly did what that guy told me to do. I nearly took that advice. I nearly went to that river. I nearly dipped my toe in just to see if it would really work. But you still go home a leper. He would have gone home exactly how he came. And nothing great really happens until we take a plunge. And I'm going to really be up front with you this morning. We're going to give an opportunity at the end of, of, of when I finish talking of you actually coming and asking God and taking the plunge with God. And we're going to pray for people to get healed this morning. So I'm just going to put that out there so you can actually just like process through and you can absorb that in. Because through the story, we're going to see how Naaman went on a whole process to get to that point where God could actually heal him. Because do you ever question the way God works in your life? I do, all the time, all the time. I want to grow my faith, but I'd really rather do that. 
I really want, don't want to do what you've asked me to do there. I really don't want to use that word submit and actually back off a bit or maybe not do something when I want to do it. And this is exactly what Naaman was going through. And I wonder if his thought process was a little bit like this. So what if God asks us to do something that doesn't make sense to me? It isn't what I expect. I can just ignore it, can't I? I can just ignore it. I can do what I want to do instead. If I don't like the command, I'll just change it. We'll just change it a little bit. I'll go nine-tenths, but I won't do the last bit. We'll just change that, that wording. We'll just change that, that verse in the scripture. We'll just ignore it completely. Those rivers back home are just as good as the Jordan River. Really? There'd be a reason why God had said that. Because there's a danger that I can miss what God wants to do in my life because I won't, tr- I won't trust him because the truth is I want to be in control. And I want to suggest to you this morning, not only did Naaman have a pride issue, but he had a control issue. He wanted to control the circumstances in which his life worked out. And the truth is, is that Naaman had given in to any of these things, he would still have remained a leper. But before we're a bit too harsh on him, you know, he had had some kind of awakening moment because he had realised he needed help. He had realised he needed a cure. He had realised there was something about himself that he couldn't change. He'd realised that belief wasn't enough. He could have stayed in Syria and believed that, but he knew that he had to get up and do something. He didn't know what that something was, but he started the journey of discovery of finding out what was going to happen in that. So let's see what happens to him. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet that told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. This is a really brave guy in Naaman's life. Whoever said this must have taken a deep breath and blurted out, Naaman, get over yourself. Get over yourself. He pointed out to him how ridiculous his attitude was. How ridiculous he was being. How he was stropping off about something that really wasn't that difficult because Naaman was blessed to have a good friend. And what's a good friend? I think it's somebody who will tell you the last 10% of something you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear. And loads of times I've got caught up in situations where I am absolutely convinced I can see clearly what is happening and what is going on around my life. But the truth is I can't. And a good friend helps me see those things that I can't see clearly. And this is the aha moment for Naaman. This is the awakening moment for him when his servant says to him, get over yourself. Get over yourself. He turns on the light bulb that Naaman has missed. I want to say to us all this morning, we need to give permission to people in our lives to turn on the light bulb that we may have missed because the thing that we've missed may be the thing that's causing us all the trouble in the first place. Could Elisha have come out of his house and prayed for Naaman to be healed? Yes, I believe he could. And I believe it would have happened. So why didn't he do it? Because Elisha is saying to Naaman, if you get your healing right now, if you get what you're asking for right now, it's going to be of no good to you. 
It's not going to work for you. It's not going to help you. Because Naaman shows up with a massive money, a massive power, a massive position. And what does Elisha do? He totally dismisses that. He says, I don't need it. I don't want it. And do you know what, Naaman? It will not do you any good at all. Because if Naaman had been healed at the start of the story, that light bulb would never have gone on for him. It would never have gone on for him. He had to get down off from his high horse, in that phrase that we use. Get down off his high horse and his chariot, and his pride could have stopped him from overcoming his control issues. And that's hard for us to hear this morning. It's hard for me to hear, because I like to think I'm not a prideful person, but I am. I want to think I've got no control issues, but I have. And I need people in my life that are going to be take a deep breath and go, Jane, do you know what? You're in denial over that. Just look at what's happening in your life. Just look at what you're saying. Just look at what the outcome of what you're doing. Somebody needs to turn the light bulb on for me. You know, Leon said last week that change comes, doesn't it, between the moment of brutal honesty and then the action that we're taking. So let's give Naaman a little credit. So he actually does what the prophet has asked him to do. But let's think that through a little bit because we may think, go and wash seven times in a river. Was it really that easy of an ask? Was it really that easy of an ask? If you think about it, to get into any water and bathe, you have to take your clothes off. What was it that was Naaman's issue? He had leprosy. It was a skin condition. He'd spent his whole life covering that up with his tunic and his armor. Nobody would have seen that unless Naaman had chosen to reveal it. And what does God say to him? Take off that which you're hiding and reveal it to me. Show me what's going on underneath. And Naaman knew that his way to wholeness was making himself vulnerable. And in that sense, he would find healing. You see, always with God, there's always a bigger implication to our life than what he's actually asking us to do. And Naaman went looking for a cure, but he found God. He found God. And so I've got a bit of an equation for you this morning, just to show you that I do believe in the worth of equations and that they do work through life. And this is one that I think is really quite um, applicable. And, I, and I've suddenly realised that actually this is quite true of my life and I hope it's true of yours. So ability. So the question is, does Naaman have the ability to do what God has asked him to do? Yes, he does. So ability plus opportunity. Does Naaman have the opportunity to do what God has asked him to do? Well, yes, he does, because he literally travels back by the river on his way home. He's got no excuse. The opportunity is there. So therefore, ability plus opportunity equals responsibility. And I think this is where God puts it back on us. He's given us the ability to do something. He's given us the opportunity to do something. Now it's my responsibility to respond to that. And that that response can often come the outcome. So Naaman responds to what's been asked of him. Let's look at the result. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. I want you to notice what Naaman goes back and says. I'd be legging it from the river, ripping off my jumper and showing my skin. Wouldn't you? Go, look, 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 it's completely gone. It's com- I'm completely healed. But what does he say? He says, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Doesn't even mention the leprosy. 
doesn't even mention the leprosy. God used name and search for a cure to lead him to something much better than the cure he received. And I just want to put this thought with you. We all have problems we'd rather keep hidden up. I do. There's some things I'm glad you don't know about me. And I'm sure there's things about you I'm glad you don't know about you either. And we'd like to keep them hidden and covered up. But I think God's got this nailed. Because I think, what if God's purpose is to get you to ask a bigger question? That when you get it answered, makes the problem you're dealing with so small, you almost even forget to mention it. And I think this is so true for Naaman. He dipped into the faith he had available, which wasn't a lot. But he emerged out of that water a complete believer in God. What an amazing transformation that was. Naaman worked with the faith he had. And God completely, completely met him and exceeded significantly what Naaman thought was going to happen to him. And so we can't ignore or forget the fact that Naaman was physically healed. And it'd be really remiss if I did that. And because um, a dramatic change did happen on the outside. He was healed. He did go home whole and well. And I don't know why he had to dip himself seven times into that river. But I know six wouldn't do. And I wonder what was going through Naaman's mind on the third and the fourth and the fifth. As he, the sixth, as he went down into that water, came back up, looked at his skin and thought, nothing has changed on the outside. Then Naaman had to make a choice to dip a seventh time. To choose to believe what Elisha had said to him. Remember what Elisha had said to the king? Send him to me and I'll show him. I'll show him there's somebody in Israel. I'll show him there's somebody great. And we're going to hear somebody's story this morning. Who understands Naaman's journey only too well. That will understand what Naaman may have been feeling. And I pray that as you listen and watch the screens for a few minutes, that Pete and Jan's story, just like Elisha for Naaman, gives you a reason to believe this morning. Right, my name's Jan. I'm married to Pete. We, we live in uh, Quinton. I, I taught at the Brisbane Hall High School. Uh, for quite a long time and also was invited to pastor the church around the corner at Londonderry Baptist Church. Um, we had three children, Jenny, John and Debbie. Debbie was a very bright little girl. She was absolutely good at athletics and a very capable little girl. And she was sort of a bit of the leader of the pack at primary school. When she got to secondary school, it all changed and the pecking order changed. She joined an athletics club which she absolutely loved and she was working to do the pentathlon and so she had different trainers that were putting into her for these different events and it turned out the trainer was talking to her about her weight uh, the one who wanted her to do the running wanted her to lose weight the one who wanted her to do the throw <laughs> wanted her to put it on um, Debbie began to worry about her weight and began to watch her weight and she began to look at all the calories on everything and the trainer was still talking to her about losing weight. And um, then one day, Debbie got an injury, and so she couldn't train. And at that point, she just felt so frightened of putting on weight that she stopped eating. She didn't even want to drink. It took hours a day to feed her, or for her to feed. 
she would want to cut everything up into very small and slip it in. And it was at that point that anorexia just seemed to come up from behind and just grab her. As a mum, it, it was heartbreaking. Um, she had to, we had to let her go into a, a unit for a while and that was very hard. And the effect it was having being on there, we saw her deteriorate in other ways. Although she was talking to me a lot by then, she was self-harming. And for me to see this lovely daughter just disappearing and it wasn't the Debbie we knew anymore. And it was at a stage where she was so thin, her body was eating her body. It was not expected that she would come through. And, and it, it was so difficult uh, to, to see that happening. And we, we never seemed to see any, any real progress, a breakthrough. And one night I just said, everything went, and I just said to Pete, I can't believe anymore. I just cannot believe anymore. God's promised all these things and it's not happening. And I can't go back to church and pretend. Remember, Pete was the minister of the church. I said, I can't go back and pretend anymore. Um, I, God just isn't there. He hasn't done what he said he would do. And I, I never felt it so black. And then, all of a sudden, deep inside, it's like something happened and I just knew that God was good. I knew that he was good. And one of the things, quite independently, John and I, we, we gave her to the Lord, quite independently of each other. Uh, we put her on the altar and said, Lord, we love her, we love you, and we trust you with her. One of the things I learned was this, that anything that we transfer to Jesus, can be transformed by him. We trusted God and we realized all that Jesus went through, we can trust him to work things through. And we praise God that, that he has. And since that time, he has put it together again. And she's amazing. She's living out in South Africa with her husband. She is a, an emergency medicine doctor. Um, she's part of the church out there and she's doing really, really well. Um, she's up to her proper weight for the first time for years. And so we're really grateful to God for all he's done. He's just been amazing. <laughs>
What do you need God to do for you? What do you need to transfer to God so that he can transform it? So that he can transform it. Naaman transferred his leprosy, but God transformed him completely. And um, I can't say to you um, that your moment of actual physical healing could happen this morning, but it could. Because this could be your seventh time. This could be your seventh time. And all God asks us to do as a body of people is to give him an opportunity to intervene. Is to give him an opportunity to meet you. And I don't want you to be too proud this morning to ask for help. Maybe even walking to the front this morning saying, I need prayer. Could be a dent to your pride a little. But I want to encourage you. This is an authentic community. This is a place where we can take off our armour and our tunic and reveal that which we want hidden really to make ourselves vulnerable before God and you might say do you know what but I've done this loads of times before Jane and nothing seems to have happened I'm going to say come again come again come and present yourself before God again because I found this great quote from this pastor in New York a guy called Tim Keller and he said this God answers prayers the way we would if we knew what he knew God answers prayers the way we would if we knew what he knew but our call is to give God the opportunity to intervene and we're going to sing a song this morning and the whole tagline is about let faith arise and I want to encourage you this morning if you need healing from God this morning emotionally, spiritually, physically I want to ask you to be brave enough to to walk to the front the ministry team will be here they won't delve into loads of stuff about your history you might have to give them a little bit of an insight into what you want prayer for but maybe come and dip a seventh time and you might be here this morning, you might think somebody in my family, you know, is struggling with some of the issues that, you know, that maybe we've talked about or hinted about or something that's long-standing. Come and represent them. Come and stand this morning and get prayer for them. You know, Jan and Pete said there, they, they gave Debbie back to God when she wasn't in a position to do that for herself. So come and do that this morning. Come and present yourself to God and just say, God, I just want my faith to arise again this morning for what you can do. Because all I can honestly say to you as a church this morning is that I know somebody. I know somebody who can make a difference in your life. So let's stand and as we sing this song, the ministry team will come forward. Please come and get prayer. And let's see God do something incredible this morning. Amen? Amen?